Amen. Thanks, Russ. It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. <clears throat> we kicked off yesterday, and that was good. There's a few more of you here today, which is even better. What a cool church. Nicole and myself and another couple of people came down here about a year ago to have a look around. And just Nicole and I live in Warrnambool, Victoria, and we felt God stirring us for something that God was wanting to do in Launceston. So we were talking it through, praying it through. And then I was in America and Russ and Mary asked to have lunch with me at, a, at an equip we were at. And Russ started to question me about what it's like living in rural Australia. <laughs> and I just kind of looked at him and went, mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it funny how God knew that the two people in the room that were going to be helpful to each other and organised for us to lunch together, but he'd already set both of us up. He knew what he was doing. Until we sat at that lunch table, we didn't know that each other was already feeling stirred the same way. Then we had lunch, and I'll be honest with you guys, I did my best to talk them out of this. <laughs> I pointed out all the negatives of living in a rural or non-capital part of Australia. I gave them all the hardships. I told them all the nightmares. I told them all the cultural obstacles they were going to face. I told them all the challenges that this, this non-capital city place was going to throw at them. Why? Because if they came, it had to be God. It's, it doesn't do the city any good service if I talk it up and make it sound so appealing that they go, hey, Paul made that sound like a really good idea. Let's go do that. But if they walk away going, gee, Paul made that sound uh, not that great. And then God says, but go do it anyway. Then they're people of conviction. And when we're people of conviction that God gives us, nothing can deter us. Even guys from Warrnambool who do their best. <laughs> so a little while after that, we came down here and, and we spent a weekend in a house with Tim and Kate and Russ and Mary and Matt and Elodie and so, someone else, yeah, Dale and Angela. And we looked around your city and we prayed and we said, God, is this what you're wanting to do, plant a new church here? And he said, yes. So here they are, relocated from Denver and Colorado, halfway around the world to here to plant this for you <laughs> and you can see they love it. So I, I just need to, I feel like I need to let you guys know there's this process that the rest of us are subject to, it's called aging and uh, you, you mentioned that we've known each other about 25 years and in that 25 years I can say I've aged a lot but you guys don't seem to have. Your hair may have been that colour 25 years ago, but mine didn't look like this 25 years ago. My hair was down here 25 years ago. It was flowing red curly locks. 
See what, see what posturing does. <laughs> it's your fault, Whippy. <laughs> That's not his fault at all. Anyway, I'm talking nonsense, and it's better if I talk about God. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So I'm just going to do a little two-minute version of what I said yesterday, because what I didn't tell you guys yesterday was yesterday was my two-hour introduction to what I want to say today. So, so for those that were here, great. For those that weren't, here's the quick version. We looked yesterday at Philippians 1, at what the Bible describes what a local church is. Anyone here yesterday that wants to tell me those essential components that contribute to being a local church? Saints, overseers, deacons, perfect. Okay, Paul wrote the letter, he said, to all the saints, together with the overseers, which we know are pastors, elders, bishops, whatever you want to call them, because we looked at all that, we looked at all the scriptures, it's all on the recording. Then deacons, we looked at what they are from Acts 6 and how they work together with elders and how saints and everyone all functions together. And then we skip down to verse 4 where we saw that it's actually essential for a local church to be involved in a partnership with something beyond of itself, um, which Russ has pointed out already uh, with a, a, an Ephesians 4 apostolic team, which we looked at in great detail yesterday. We looked at in Ephesians 4, at all the gifts, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We looked at what they do. Remember, they equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that the body can build itself up in love. We looked at why does the church still need apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists today? Didn't they all die in the end of the Bible? No, they did not. We, it's all there. Then we looked at... Uh, rather, we speak the truth in love, we grow up into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I think there's so much truth and revelation in there. It, it really takes the pressure off pastors to be the ones who build the church. It's not the pastor's job to build the church. It's Jesus is building his church and he invites all of us to partner with him in building. It's not just Jesus and Russ. It's, it's not even just Jesus and Russ and Tim. It's all of us. If this is our church, then when we're working together and we're functioning properly, then it makes the body grow. It makes the body grow. So the church builds itself up in love. Why don't you open to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? That's where I want to look at this morning. And while you're opening to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I just want to talk to this couple here for a moment. Is it Josh and Christy? We're a few, when you guys started thinking about, you know, hey, she's all right, yeah, he's not bad. <laughs> were a few of your friends a bit surprised? Were they a bit like, uh, how's that going to work? Because <laughs> like, you're the innie and you're the outie, the introvert and the extrovert. <laughs> and people were looking going, I'm not sure this is going to last, I'm not sure this is going to work, like, he's got like all this and she's like all that there. And, but God actually says, no, that's his plan. Like he meant to do that. And... 
It's, it's funny how God does that. Like the world seems to think we have to be so similar to attract, but God just says, I can take whoever I want and put them with whoever I want to get my job done. And God says he put you guys together with purpose and with reason and to never embrace other people's surprise, but just to embrace the calling that he's given you both. Because it's together that as, you, as the introvert and the extrovert function together, there's like, you, there's, both have strengths. And united, those strengths are multiplied exponentially. So together, you guys are far, far better and stronger and more influential and more able to be used by God than you ever were on your own. And God says, that's why he took two people and all your friends went, what? But God was not surprised. He was not making a mistake and he didn't kind of turn a blind eye and just let you do this. He's in it. And he's empowering you two to work together for kingdom purposes and kingdom plans. Now we'll get back to 2 Corinthians. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to pick up in verse 11. All right. Why am I picking up in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 11? Because yesterday when we finished, we, we looked at those gifts, the apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and we talked about how the local church that has those critical elements and components, how it functions and partners together with a team. So now what I want to do as somebody who's on one of those teams is I want to give you a little bit of insight into how we partner with you. It's the, the flip side of yesterday's conversation. So it says this. There it is. My eyes just went all fuzzy for a minute. I have been a fool. That's all I came to say. <laughs> Russ, you were so funny this morning. Was it like just giving announcements and that. You're so funny. <laughs> you forced me to it. For I ought to have been commended by you, for I was not inferior at all to these super apostles, even though I'm nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. For in what, for, for in what were you less favoured than the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not burden you? Forgive me this wrong. Here for the third time, I'm ready to come to you and I will not be a burden. For I seek not what is yours, but you, for children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go. And sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. Might pause. Oh, no, I'll keep going. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish. And that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarrelling 
jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality and sensuality that they've practised. Don't we love little words like those in there? It's like, oh, it was going well. Why do you have to bring that stuff up? <laughs> Just relax. Right, so he opens up with this, the, the signs of an apostle. So he's... This is uh, Paul writing and he's giving these guys some insight into his care and concern for the church and why he's working with them and why he does some of the things that he does. And in verse 12, he gives us some of the signs of a true apostle. The first one, he says, patience. Patience. You know, when people of an apostolic nature or people who are part of an apostolic team or culture come in, there should be this thing of patience. It's not, hey, Russ, this church has been going for well, a few months now. You know, where's the thousand people? There is a patience that it just comes in and, and gets involved. It gets messy. The patience that just says, Let's, we're in this for the long haul. We're in this together. Like Russ said, no, there's not a guest speaker mentality or attitude that says, you know, I'm going to breeze into town and you better put me up in a five-star hotel and pay my business class airfares. And we're in a six-star your home. <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that, I'll be honest. But that's, the, the culture is different. That's, the, we're here because of a relationship, not because of a financial agreement. We're here. I'm here. My family, except my oldest daughter, because she's about to write her year 12 exams. So she, she would love to be here, but I told her she wasn't coming. But two of my three kids, my wife, we're here off our own coin because we wanted to be here. We love this couple. And because we love them, we love you. And we think you guys are all right, too, just quietly. <laughs> Haven't known you guys for quite as long as them, but you're pretty good. Gifted, talented, amazing. Patience. Where am I going? Patience. So it's, it's not come in, get as much of the job done as we can, beat a few people up, call it the prophetic, <laughs> and go home and leave all the problems to us. No, there's a patience involved that just says, hey, we're here, we love you, we love you. What can we do? We're here to serve. The church. One of the next thing, it says signs and wonders. And then the next one, I'll link them all together. Signs and wonders and mighty works. These are the hallmarks, the characteristics of apostolic culture, apostolic ministry. Now, you guys, I know, have signs and wonders and mighty works all the time. I mean, look around this room. Is this not a sign and a wonder? This church didn't exist a year ago. This is a sign and a wonder. God is doing something in your city. Through the team that you guys partner with, I mean, we talked about the gifts yesterday, the, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. Those guys all bring in their signs, wonders. They come in, do their mighty works. The church is bigger, better, stronger because of it. Verse 14 expands on this thing of... Um, Partnering, it says it's not just a one-off visit. He says, I'm here for the third time. It's not a breeze in, 
show off, get paid, and get out. <laughs> well, it kind of is, but no one told you you're paying me. So <laughs> That was a joke. He's not paying me anything. It's, you know, this, is, this biblical thing is so different to what we see in much of the world. No, there's no agreements. There's no money changing hands. It's, it's not one-offs. We, we come in by relationship. I mean, I, Paul said, this is my third time. I'm another Paul and I can say I'm here for the second time. Now, most of you weren't there the first time. But if there's a third time, I hope all of you are and a whole lot more. Uh, and I'm willing to come for a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time. Why? Because I love these guys. And we're in partnership together. Russ said he met us 25 years ago. What he didn't say was this couple were pastors in a local church in Adelaide that my wife and I attended. They pastored us. They shepherded us. They loved us in their home. They cooked us Mexican food in Dutchman Drive while their boys were running amok, which was awesome. Third time, fourth time. It's not a one-off. It's a commitment to work together, to be involved. You know, Russ said in, in American colleges, they teach pastors, don't have people in your homes because they, they'll see what you really like. I mean, we, we, we got to know these guys in their home. We know what they're really like. And you keep them anyway? <laughs> and I can tell you that you guys are in safe hands. This is a good church. You have incredible leaders. They are wonderful people who are going to take you into wonderful things if you let them. The next thing I want to link with this, back a bit in, uh, in chapter 11, Paul gives a couple of the characteristics on his side. He says, In toil, in hardship, and through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's a daily pressure on me and my anxiety for all the churches. Sleepless nights, Russ. Never had any of those, have you? Just the last couple while I've been sleeping in your number bed. And I've been sleeping way better than normal. And you've not been sleeping at all. <laughs> you've done well, I've done better. Why many a sleepless night? He says because there's an anxiety for the churches. It's not an anxiety about, oh, I've got to go see people. It's not an anxiety about, gee, I hope people come. There's a, a pressure and a weight on the shoulders that says, I'm carrying responsibility with and for this church. Why are we here? Because we feel something of a, of a weight and a responsibility with and for you as a church. We were praying for this church before it even started. Walking around down here, praying. Praying in our prayer meetings in Warrnambool, saying, God, we, we know something's going to happen in Launceston. We know you're going to start a new thing there. Now, it's, it's not a negative statement about anything else that's happening there. It's just a positive statement about getting a city ready for God to do something bigger and better. I think there's going to be more churches planted here than just this one. Because, I mean, how many people in this city? 100,000. That's a lot for one church. 
But God wants to reach them all. Right? He doesn't want any to miss out on what he's doing. So we carry a weight and a responsibility and something of an anxiety, a pressure for this church where we pray for this church. God bless Russ and Mary, bless Tim and Kate and bless that church. And and we pray for you guys in our prayer meetings regularly, consistently. We message Russ and Tim and say, guys, give us some specifics. What can we pray for? What can we do? Can we send you anything? What can we bring when we come? And they said, musicians. So we brought musicians. You see, you don't carry a weight and a pressure for a local church if you just don't care. A friend of mine in South Africa put it this way. He said, we're looking for people who are going to work on the boat, not in the boat. You don't want people on the outside who just sort of polish a little bit and leave and don't really care. We want people on it going, we're in, we're involved, what can we do? We're participants. Now, yes, we participate from the other side of the water thing in the middle there, but, but we're participants. We're in. We're partners, not guest preachers. We're not a breeze in ministry. We're willing to come back and back and back. Then he goes on and says, and this is... Groundbreaking. He says, I won't be a burden. See, Paul, with the churches he worked with, was determined not to be a burden to the churches he went to. He wanted to be a blessing and he wanted to build. He didn't want to be a burden. So his goal wasn't go into this church and take as much from it as I can. His goal was to go in and to put as much into it as he could to invest his life, everything that God had given him, poured out into that church, (coughs) leaving as much as he could behind, not taking as much as he could when he left. He wasn't coming in and and, uh, trying to clean them out and then move on to the next resource-rich pool. How did he succeed in doing that? He gave us the key. He says, I seek not what is yours. But you. So he didn't come in looking for people's stuff, their things, their money. His heart attitude wasn't, hey, I'm coming to this church because I heard your offerings are good. And, you know, if you've got good offerings, then we can probably broker a really good performance fee. And that'll bless me. So I'm interested. There is no negotiation, there is no performance fee. I don't know what your offerings are. And it doesn't make any difference to me what they are. So I can talk about them freely. Because <laughs> I'm not here for your staff. I'm not here for your money. I'm here for you, people. My investment here is in people. Not waking a withdrawal for my own benefit, but for people. This is what Paul taught, how we work with a team. This is how a a team partners with us as a church. People are the priority, not the people's possessions. Although I do sort of have a little bit of a desire for Tim's motorbike, if I'm honest. (laughs) I've got my own. Relax. How many do I need, Tim? Alright, that's a a very good question. How many motorcycles does any one man need? Alright, the correct answer is one more than he currently has. Okay. 
Now that we've got that cleared up, <laughs> are we more interested in people or people's things? Okay, we've got to be... If The problem is this. If we're interested in people's stuff, we're actually going to become a burden, even if we intended not to. Because who we, who we are comes out. So I can come in here and say, I'm more interested in people, but if all my conversations are leaving you thinking, no, he's actually more interested in my stuff. If everyone's feeling compelled to give me their stuff while I'm here, not by God, but by my conversation, then that's a very clear indication that this is not the kind of partnership. But the, the exact opposite is true. We don't want your stuff. We don't want your money. We've wrestled these guys to pay for anything while we're here. You need to know your leaders are generous. But you also need to know they're very obstinate. <laughs> well, we, we <laughs> Tim, Russ says this, Tim is very obstinate. Well, we're trying to pay because we came to bless and we want to be a blessing. But they're, they're trying too. It's, and I love, I mean, there should be cash register wars in Christianity. Seriously, there should. And I've been involved in a few over the years. You guys, uh, Steve Sudworth. I was in an airport in South Africa with Steve Sudworth. He's a, another guy on this team. Uh, I think we're in, oh, I don't even know where we were. South Africa, I think. And we both went up to pay for everyone's coffees at the table. And, and the, the battle was on. Because he was there to be a blessing. He's a big guy. <laughs> he was working hard to bless. And I'm like, no, but I want to bless. And you're on a, you know, American dollars. It's like not even a blessing. Like I'm on an Aussie dollar. Like, at, least, at least it's going to be expensive for us. You know? <laughs> and as he whipped his credit card out, I just managed to grab it and fling it across the airport. I've never seen a South African guy move so fast as a guy chasing his own credit card in a South African airport. <laughs> I don't, even to this day, I've never seen Steve Sudworth move so fast. And while he was chasing his flying credit card, I got to be the blessing. That's the goal. We're here to bless. I haven't thrown Tim's or Russ's cards anywhere yet, but I might. There's still time. <laughs> so we partner with people, not with people's possessions. And we can't build kingdom with people's stuff. We can build kingdom with people. With people. Okay, it says, children are not obliged to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Now, he's talking about a church context. He's talking about the way we work together. And it's a reference to himself and churches. And he's, what he's really going to great lengths to let them know is they don't owe him anything. Yeah. Now, he was involved in planting that church. And he's saying, as, as somebody who's something of a father, you guys don't owe me. It's actually my job to invest in you and to save up for you and to pour out for you, not to expect from you all the time. Now, we pastor a church and we regularly let our church know we're actually not dependent on you for our things, our stuff, our, even our salary. Why? God's our provider. Now, I think it's his primary, his, his first choice is to use the local church that we pastor to, to provide, but it's not his only option. Yeah. And there's been times in our church where 
we've gone months and months and months and months with no salary whatsoever. Not recently, don't worry, I'm not crying poor now, we're doing okay. <laughs> but in those times, we never went poor because God was our provider. Even when the church wasn't, God was. And we were able to, with integrity, say, we're not looking to the church for provision. We look to God for provision. God's blessing us. The church can't pay us, but God's blessing us. That's Partnership gets real then. huh? So Paul's letting these guys know, it's actually my job to invest in you, not my job to demand a return from you. Now, these guys are that. They're integral. They haven't come here looking and asking for things or staff or money. They've come here and invested everything they've got in this place. And everybody they invite as part of this team to come here is going to do the same. Nobody's coming to take advantage or to clean you out. People are coming to bless and to build. Puts a little bit of a caution on this whole thing of fathering though, doesn't it? People talk about, oh, are we a fathering thing? There's not enough fathers. We need more fathers. I'm very reluctant to say, well, hey, I'll be your father because all of a sudden scripture says, well, I better be saving up and investing for you. It's like, uh, I don't know that I want 10,000 spiritual sons, thank you. That sounds very, very expensive. (laughs) But what it does say is any of us can be a father. You know in the Bible, it's not like gender limited, right? (laughs) So we can all have a father's heart. We can all say, yeah, I'm going to be somebody who is part of the kingdom. I'm going to invest. I'm going to save up and I'm going to invest and I'm going to come and hear some good things and then I'm going to release those good things. I'm going to spread the great word of God. I'm going to do whatever I can. Anything I receive, I'm going to give. Anything that somebody invests, I'm going to re-sow and reinvest. People who choose to bless. Verse 15, he says, But I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. So not only is he saying, hey, you guys owe me nothing, but he's saying, I'll give you everything. I will spend and be spent for your souls. I think often we think in in Christian circles or dare I say religious circles, we think it's the other way around and, and the pastors come in and we've got to give to them and, you know, if, if we treat them mean, keep them keen and... Don't keep them poor, give them more, whatever your thing is. But it's actually the other way around. We, we all live to spend and to invest and to bless. They owe him nothing, but he gives them everything. Not just everything he has, but everything he is. Because he'll spend and he'll be spent. That's, that's, he'll spend what he has and he'll be spent because of what he is. He doesn't hold anything back from them. He says, guys, I'm, I'm not here to take advantage. I'm here to invest. I'm here to give. I'm here to sow. I'm here to, anything God releases to me, I'm going to give freely to you. That's such a different culture. But this is what the, the Bible teaches of how we partner together. Verse 17, he says, did I take advantage of you? He didn't take advantage of them. He's investing, not taking. And then he says, has this, not just him, but what about those I sent to you? 
So this is Paul. So he sent uh, Timothy to them. He said he didn't take advantage either. So he says, the people I send to you are not coming to rip you off. They're not coming to get what they can get. I come and invest. And anybody who comes on my behalf is coming to invest. Nobody's here trying to abuse or take advantage or gain for themselves. That's something I love about this team we partner with all over the world. I've never had a guy come into our church, do his thing and sit there feeling like, gee, I feel abused. I feel taken advantage of or quick, where's my wallet? It's just they pour out and it's grace and it's love and it's truth and it's peace and it's joy and it's kindness. And when they leave, you go, oh, I think we'll get them back because we feel good about that. And then you talk to people in the church. How was that? Go- oh, I don't know what it was when that guy came in. And like, I don't even think they were the best preacher sometimes, but God touched my heart through what they did. It's like, wow, how good's this? It's almost like God's involved sometimes. He sent Titus, sorry, not Timothy. Verse 18, I sent Titus. Did he take advantage of you? No, why not? And then he gives the key. Because we acted in the same spirit. Different people. you got Paul, you got Titus. Different people. But he says, the people I send come in the same spirit. The intentions I have when I come to you, these guys I send come with the same. Now you guys are blessed. You've got leaders who are that same spirit. And they've got relationships and partnerships all over the world. Same spirit. Different people. I, if, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know... This church's future, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. It might have five years, it might have 105 years. But whatever, however long it is, you're going to see a lot of different faces in your pulpit. You'll hear some different accents in your pulpit. But you're always going to experience the same heart in your pulpit. Because that's the way God operates. He says we acted in the same spirit. We took the same steps. Different people, same direction. Same purpose, same plan, same course of action, same everything. Everything different, but all the same. (laughs) Different people from different places, but God doing the same thing. God is very specific in the way he builds. He doesn't just throw things together and hope for the best. He forms partnerships And he knits hearts and he connects people, not people's things. And he says, you guys are going to, just like this, you guys are going to work together. You guys are going to function. People are going to look at you guys and be amazed at what they see. Especially people who knew you before you were married. They're going to look and go, wow, I never saw that. I never saw that. I I couldn't see this in their future. But it's because they became different when they got together. And it's going to be the same for this church. People are going to look at some of you guys and go, I never saw that in their future. I didn't see that person going to that nation and being involved in a mission trip. And I didn't see that person being involved in resourcing another plant into Launceston. I certainly didn't see that person going to Hobart and being involved there. And I didn't see... You guys, the future is amazing. But it's because together we're different. 
It's actually part of God's intention and plan. He puts us together, he partners us with people and they make us different and we make them different and that difference is better in God. Verse 19, he says, it's all for your upbuilding. This is not just coming in and spending for spending's sake. I come in and spend as much as I can, go home and tell everyone how much I spend. I mean, these guys are in my church. I never come home complaining of how poor I am or tired I am. <laughs> it's, it's not about that. It's about we spend and we invest because the goal of the spending and the, 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 the being spent is upbuilding. Upbuilding the church and churches and people. When we leave, when any guy, any couple that Russ and Mary bring into this place from anywhere they happen to be in the world, when they come in, they release, they spend, they do their thing, they go home. When they go, we should be stronger. More focused, more envisioned, more empowered, more inspired, more passionate. We should know Jesus better. We should understand the scriptures better. We should have a clearer picture of our future in the King. Because they come in and spend and are spent. (laughs) All of this equipping is just to make us more like Christ. It's a beautiful thing. I shared yesterday, when we, when we get saved, we come to Jesus and Jesus steps between us and his Father. So when his Father, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. In an instant, we look different. In an instant, our account in heavenly records is different. That nanosecond, everything changes. But then for the rest of our earthly life, everything keeps changing. <laughs> There's a difference between salvation and sanctification. We are saved instantly and we are given the image of Christ. We are given the account of Christ. And then for the rest of our earthly natural lives, God's busy making us into the image and likeness of Christ. Which is good. He actually looks better than I do. His is a good image to carry. (laughs) We're growing up into his image and likeness. And see, people growing up is, is why this whole partnership thing is so vital. It helps us grow. Helps us grow. And when uh, I know in our church, when I can stand in our pulpit and I can preach. Week after week after week. I mean, honestly, I can almost preach the same thing for 10 weeks. And then we'll get somebody else in on this team. And they'll come in and say exactly the same thing. And everyone will go, wow, that's so good. (laughs) I've had people nudge, oh, that was such a great message. You should preach like that. (laughs) And I've learnt that the correct response is, you're right, I should. But see, I'm on this team, so I get to be the other guy too. I'm, I get to be both sides of the coin. Because I've gone into other churches where people have come, oh, that was amazing. That was so good. I wish our guy was more like that. And I've looked over him and gone, you've preached that like 10 times, haven't you? Went, <laughs> but see, there's something in us that's always looking beyond us. 
And God intended that because he wants partnership. There's actually a craving in us for this model. (laughs) Something in us wants to be connected bigger than we are. It's God's intention and design that partnerships, local churches, partnering with local churches, partnering with apostolic teams, partnering all over the globe so we become local churches with global missions. We can have influence here, there, there and everywhere because of the partnerships that we have the globe over. I mean, honestly, Russ has mentioned this Ephesians 4 team, this apostolic prophetic team. There are over 500 couples right now on this team all over the world. We've got over 10,000 churches in over 100 countries on planet Earth right now. It's huge. That's, that's the world. That's our world. As part of this church, that's your world. Where can you go? Anywhere. What can you do? Anything. How can you be involved? However you like. People from oh, many of those places are going to come here if you stick around. <coughs> you're going to see them. You're going to hear them. You're going to receive from them. And not one of them is going to come here to take from you. They're all going to come here to build, to sow, to seed, to invest. This is a kind of unusual message to preach in a church, isn't it? <laughs> Why would a guy come in and preach this? Because I want you guys to know that right from the outset, you're in safe hands. There's, of those 500 people on that team, I know the vast majority of them. There's some I don't know, but the vast majority of them I know. And I know they're going to be different people, same spirit. And the ones I don't know are still going to be different people, same spirit. How do I know that? Because the team's reproducing. And if somebody on that team has suggested they get brought onto that team, it's because they know what they're, being, they know what they're bringing in. <laughs> it's safe. It's safe. <coughs> they're going to love you. They're going to come and bless and build and invest. What time do you finish? Now, amen. (laughs) You should read Acts 14 uh, from about 21 onwards. In there, you're going to see the the benefits and the fruit of this kind of partnership. Uh, I mean, things like they preached the gospel in the city. They won a large number of disciples. They went back and they went back. They're not one-offs. They kept going back. Verse 22, strengthening, encouraging, uh, teaching people, remaining true to the faith, encouraging people to persist through hardships and seeing all that God has done. Yeah, God is big and he's doing much. If we're going to be involved, then we need to be involved in something that is also big and doing much. And this local church is involved in something big that is doing much. Welcome aboard. Thank you, Rush.